Welcome to the Art of Excellence, home of Fridays on Excellence and exclusive interviews with subject matter experts. Here we go. Hello and welcome to another exclusive interview as part of the Excellence series, where we discuss with real people their best practice and unconventional wisdom in leveraging defining moments. My name is Scott Kokenauer. I'm your host, and I'm so glad you've taken time out to tune in. Uh, today, our guest is Mark Snyderman. He is not your traditional lawyer or management consultant. He spent his entire career in the business of making companies better and finding solutions that are right for his clients. His education includes Dickinson College, Rutgers School of Law, Camden, and University of Notre Dame Mendoza School. Um, and so Mark has been in transition. We kind of connected on LinkedIn, and uh, he has learned a lot. So I couldn't help but ask speak to speak with him and talk to him about these transitions. Welcome, Mark. Thank you. I'm excited to be here today. So let's get started with a little bit about you. Um, sure. Where are you from and what are you involved in these days? So I am from uh, the southern New Jersey area outside Philadelphia. So I grew up in a town called Cherry Hill, which many people have heard of because it had one of the first enclosed malls in the United States. Really, okay. real, real big claim to fame. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so I've spent most of my time in the Northeast. Um, I currently have a law practice that specializes in helping small and mid-sized businesses uh, using a subscription-based outside general counsel model. Uh, but I also have a management consulting firm and I am an angel investor in a couple different projects uh, and have a couple startups of my own as well. So I, I keep myself pretty busy. <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you do. Now, now, you have experienced what it's like to go through a transition or two in your lifetime. Mm -hmm. Could you take us to one of those transitions? What What was it? What sure. I, I think the the big transition, you know, because I call myself, you know, I'm, I'm a serial entrepreneur, but it's really latter stage. Uh, you know, I, I started off my my, you know, as a as a young guy, as a kid. You know, my dad always had businesses in the auto in the auto industry. So we had everything from auto parts stores to dealerships. So I started working when I was eight years old and I would say I've never stopped. <laughs> uh, I, I started my own business at 17, at 18, at 19, uh, and then decided that I wanted to see what corporate America was like. And I, and I went into, you know, I got my law degree. I went to a law firm. I didn't like that. I went to a public company. I didn't like that. I went to a privately held company uh, that was doing engineering and IT services. Uh, and I actually helped grow that company significantly. I spent the better part of, actually, I was there from 2002 to 2016. Uh, so, and I ran the company. I was a chief operating officer from 2007 to 2016. Uh, and at that point, I had grown the company, helped, you know, with the help of everybody around me. We grew it from about 75 employees up to 300. So we were doing about 60 million in business. It was a really nice company. Mm -hmm. Sounds and, great. you know, I made a transition out. So you say, well, well, what, 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 what sparked that transition yeah. to leave? Right. What you know, and I, and I look back, and it, it was a, it was a great job, great company, great people. Uh, had a difference of opinion, I would say, with where the company was going to go going forward and how far we were going to try to push it. Uh, and that would have required, you know, a private equity recapitalization, something along those lines. And the owners that you know didn't want to do that at the time. 
And to be honest, it was it it was boring. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, without having, without, you know, without knowing that there was another phase to it, mm -hmm. uh, I couldn't see just, you know, standing, staying, staying the same. I always say that when, when, you know, when a company's going this way and it's in the growth model, uh, you have issues, right? There's a lot of issues around you mm -hmm. when you're, when you, when you're flat or going down the, what you called an issue here is now a problem. So the spark, let me, let me stay with that spark for a moment, because yeah. that, that's something that, you know, we all uh, go through multiple sparks. And um, the problem is we don't always leverage those sparks. We don't always pay attention to them. Oh, yeah. This spark that you experienced, it, it started kind of with a, with a difference of opinion or a, a different viewpoint and then that led to you looking to the future and seeing what was written on the wall so to speak and did that did the so could you consider this transition uh a gradual thing or more instantaneous it, it was it was a it was a long it, it started it took probably three or four years for it to unfold uh wow. for me to make a decision to to leave what I had been working on and, and, you know, literally pouring my life into. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I think, you know, it sent me, you know, I was, I am a workaholic. I know that about myself. I mean, mm -hmm. I, 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 I drive at hard work and it's, it's, like I said, it's been in me since I was eight years old and mm -hmm. I, that's how I grew up. Uh, but it drove and, you know, a lot of factors going to what drives depression, but mm -hmm. it all drove me into depression. You know, had I probably had, you know, scenes of it earlier in my life, of course, right? Yeah. Never, never knew what it was, never recognized it, didn't try to deal with it. But the, it had gotten, it, it got bad. You know, it was, it, I was in a really dark place and yeah. a bad part of my life. Yeah. And it drove me to, you know, get help, to seek that kind of help that I needed. And it then drove a lot of what ended up being the decision to leave was, you know, as I start to unravel in therapy, you know, what, 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 what were the causes? Mm -hmm. And to realize that I just, I just wasn't happy doing what I was doing. Right. Right. Let me let me stay with that depression thing because I'm sure that there's <laughs> there are some who are watching this or listening to this podcast and they're secretly yeah. fighting depression. They have not told anybody because it's a sign of weakness that they think. Yeah. Uh, you know, but it's not. You, you and I'm gonna pull up here, you've written a chapter in a book called Leading Through the Pandemic, Unconventional Wisdom from Heartfelt Leaders. Uh, I would encourage all of you listening or watching this to get a copy of that. I went straight to Mark's chapter, which is chapter 14, and I was struck by a paragraph about depression. If you don't mind, I'll read a couple of sentences from this. Is that right? Yeah, of course. Uh, depression is different for everyone. For me, 
it's like a giant dark hole that opens up and without falling somehow you're just at the bottom like being in a cave all you do is seek out any bit of light you know that there there's at least a way out this didn't happen day one or even day 20 it was around day 45 when i realized this pandemic wasn't ending anytime in the near future man what a what a a challenge this pandemic has been right mm -hmm. and so uh the transition that you are talking about this this three-year process mm -hmm. which has nothing to do with your inability to make a decision right i mean you're right you're a go-getter someone might say well three years why didn't you just pull the plug right away well it's not that easy right no it's i mean you have you know there's family there's you know bills and expenses but it's also you know trying to figure out you know i i am deeply I'm, I'm a, you know, I run my companies, you know, people first. And a lot of people say that they're people first, right. uh, but they're not really people first. They're just, just mm -hmm. window dressing. I, I, I really like to believe that I've always stood, stood by that and stood by my people. So, mm -hmm. you know, to think that I was going to leave the company that I was helping build, it was hard. And, it, and it's, it's a hard decision to say, I'm running a company and helping manage a company that has 300 employees. I have 40 direct reports. I was a, I was a, you know, you're in demand. You're the, you're the guy. Right. right. Uh, and to know that, you know, I was going to leave that and all of a sudden be sitting in an office or in my, in my house by myself with <laughs> no one supporting me and no one around me and no one to report to me. It, it was, it was a tough decision. What was the most difficult part of transitioning out? I mean, it, it, there are a lot of difficult things about yeah. for you. What was the most difficult part? I actually think it's it's the it was the not having the people around me all the time. Mm -hmm. I'm a people person. I like to talk a lot, you know. And it wasn't even the you know I had a, I had a I'm lucky that you know I had I had a solid client base. Like literally the day I walked out, I had one or two really good clients, including my old company. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't like we were leaving. It wasn't, a, it wasn't like it was the end of the world, blow up the world. It right. was a, you know, this is what's best for me and what's probably going to be best for you because this isn't going to work, you know, going forward the way it is. Yeah. So it was, it was mutual, you know, in a sense. And, mm -hmm. you know, this is what I needed and what, and because I needed to do that, then they needed to do that. And it was a good, you know, so it wasn't, the money it wasn't the you know it was really you know the fact that i wasn't going to have anybody to to report to me and and to manage and to help structure and mentor and and build with so that really became the hardest i would say that was for me was the hardest part so you're so you're downstairs in your office at home after having 40 reports people who report to you and 300 employees what what was it like that first couple of weeks? Oh, you're literally staring at the computer, going, "I, I don't really know what I'm supposed to do." <laughs> like, like, like I don't have like. I mean, I had a big whiteboard, a big glass board in my office that had like you know a hundred different things on it. And I used to say, like, when I was running, when you run a company that size, it was a pretty decent sized company. I mean, nothing like mm -hmm. you know, some run like you know billion dollar industries, but you know, it's all relative, right? Everything's at right. scale, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I used to say, my everybody's, what's it like during the day? Well, 
put a hundred balls in the air and run around and try to keep them all in the air. <laughs> yeah, that was my day. Uh-huh. So you know, you knew that every day, which you 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 didn't really know what was going to happen, but you knew you were going to be busy and doing things all day long. Mm-hmm. You know, so when I landed, you know, all of a sudden you're you know fast forward and you're sitting in your at your desk, you're like, I don't have a hundred balls in the air yet. Mm-hmm. What do I do? So did did the depression come back at all during during those during that time no okay no i mean it, it really i i only saw it again bad you know the beginning of like like when with the, the party reading in the book uh from mm-hmm. covid uh, yeah. when i started to see it really start to really want to phase itself in yeah uh, I, you know i'll also also say that you know i am on medication you know mm-hmm. which helps a lot Right. You know, I know that there's a lot of stigma to saying you have depression. There's a lot of stigma to saying you're on medication. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it takes, you know, I don't say it's, I, I, I hate to say people when people say you're, you're courageous for saying it. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. think it's courage. I think it's just honesty. It is and what it is, right? It is what it is. And it's part of my life. Yeah. And, you know, but I do think that this stigma that's out there that, you know, about being on medication and, you know, being a professional that, you know, you can't, well, mm-hmm. you can. People do it all the time. There's way more people doing it than you know are doing it. (laughs) Right. That's right. There's, there's one, you know, they're afraid to admit it. And, you know, and especially, you know, I say men's health awareness, men's mental health awareness is, 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 is its own topic, Mm -hmm. you know, in and of itself that people are, you know, men are just afraid to talk about it. Well, I will one up, not one up you, but I will add to the conversation here. Yeah. Um, there are two of us on this call, on this interview, who are not only lifetime battlers of depression, but are on medication. So there Thanks you go. That. There's two of us. And, yeah, you know, and I have been for years. Yeah. Years. And, and uh, you know, you just look for those early warning signs and uh, take care of yourself, mm-hmm. you know, create great rhythm, exercise. Um, the one thing I don't have that I read about in, in the chapter that you wrote was you got a stand up desk. I've got to get one of those. Yeah, it is really good. Uh, it's, it's, it's great for, for balancing yourself plus just to give yourself something to move to during the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you kind of just, you know, at some points, you know, getting some standing in and just feel better. Right. I, I get in a better, I, I, I tend to be in a better flow when I'm standing than when I'm sitting. So what did you learn, you know, when you transitioned from 40 direct reports to being in your office at home and staring at a screen, what did you learn most about yourself, yourself and your life purpose? Well, I think the, it is when it really started to kick in that, you know, what I like to do and what is most fulfilling to me is actually helping, you know, it, it's, it's being that, you know, that helper to companies that, you know, can help them see not only, you know, the legal side of things, but really their whole outlook and position and brand position and strategic, you know, understanding of where they're going, mm-hmm. right? And why are they getting there? You know, I did, I've done a lot of, and I read a lot of management books, uh, you know, and you have to take every one of them with a grain of salt, right? right. But I always say like, you take every single one of them and if you add them all up, you start to build your, your paradigm, what works for you. Yep. And, you know, one of the ones, you know, so I love Dan Pink and I love Simon Sinek, right? They're, right. they're two of my favorites. Yep. And 
Simon Sinek, you know, I mean, if you have, if for those who haven't, you know, seen the Golden Circle of Wine and watched that TED talk, you have to watch it, right? It's it's like start with it wine. is game changing. It is, you know, you need to understand that piece of, you know, why people buy what you do, you know, mm-hmm. you know, and what and understanding your why. And I don't think I really got my why, you know, that first few years of doing what I was doing. It was kind of like. All right, I'm just I, I'm trying to build something, make some money, you know, get to the next thing. And I had this concept of, you know, sort of building like landing strips all over the place for people that I know in my career that have helped me mm-hmm. and that I know that could run something, you know, and, you know, me being I know what I'm really good at, which is, you know, sort of seeding in concepts and structuring and building. And I don't want to I used to be the operations person and I don't necessarily want to be that anymore. I'd love to have, I want to have like 10 or 12, maybe more, you know, of these projects running. So that's really what's happened in the last year. So if you could say anything to the executive who's listening today and in their heart, they're sensing a spark. Yeah. in their life and they don't know how to proceed what would you say to them i would say to you know really think about what it is you really want to be doing and and more importantly than what it is why do you want to do it what mm-hmm. is your why mm-hmm. and if what you're doing isn't meeting that why you're not doing yourself a service right. you're doing yourself a disservice and honestly you're doing everybody around you a disservice because mm-hmm. you're, you're never you're not you're not doing what you're best at because right. it's not your reason. Right. So find that spark and chase it. You know, I, you know, people ask me like, I, I did better before. It wasn't as hard, <laughs> you know, <laughs> to chase people for money. You know, I get clients that have, you know, you get clients that don't pay. So, well, you're a lawyer. Can't you just chase them? No, it's the same thing as anybody else, you know, chasing somebody for money, right? Sure. If they don't have it or they're not going to pay it, you know, right. how far are you going to go to the end of time to chase somebody down for a bill they didn't pay? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So, so find out your why and, and live that, you know, you said something very profound there. You're not just doing yourself a disservice. You're doing those around you and those who you Mm -hmm. could influence a disservice. Yeah. Um, My definition of excellence is the act of becoming the fullest expression of your unique God-given design. Because when you are fulfilling that for which you were created, and it's not just one thing, it's multiple things. Yeah. Um, it, you are, you can speak to people like no one else can speak to them. You can serve like no one else can serve. And so yeah. that's very profound advice. Mark, we need, I need to have you on another interview and we need to talk more, but uh, unfortunately, we're out of time right now. And uh, thank you so much for taking your time to share with us. No, thanks for having me on. You have been listening to an exclusive interview with a subject matter expert on the topic of the art of excellence. Thanks for listening.